ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Shrimad Bhagavad Gita as it is, translation and commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. It's a short report, so you may not need to find the planet of people. Alright, here's the verse, text 31 of chapter 10. Havana Pavatama Sri Rama Shastrapitama Dashanam Bhakarasuchasmi Shutasam Asmijahnavi Lord Krishna says, Of purifiers, I am the wind. Of the wielders of weapons, I am Rama. Of fishes, I am the shark. And of flowing rivers, I am the Ganges, of course. Of all the aquatics, the shark is one of the biggest and is certainly the most dangerous to men. Thus the shark represents Krishna. That is the end of the purple. When we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, we are calling out to Krishna and Ram. Who are Krishna and Rama? Is there anyone in the room with the name Krishna or Rama? Anyone? Krishna. Here is Krishna. Your name is Krishna? Yes. Alright. But when we chant Hare Krishna, we're not calling to you. <laughs> there are many Krishnas. What was the name of the first? Okay, here's one for the children. Who is the name? A bit young for that. The name of the first president of independent India. Mayavadi from Madras. Dr. Radhakrishnan. Yes, his name is also Krishna. But when we chant Hare Krishna, we're not calling to him, right? So up to today, there are many Krishnas and many Ramas in India. There are so many people have named Ram, Ramachandra, Ramalinga is very common in Tamil Nadu, Ramakrishna. So many combinations of the name Rama. But when we call the name Krishna, we are calling to which Krishna? Swayam Bhagavan Krishna. Swayam Bhagavan Krishna Ekadeisha Aditya Nandakmaja Rasika Shita. These are some of other terms to describe which Krishna we call it. Swayam Bhagavan, who is himself the Supreme Lord. Egadeisha, he is the only one controller. There are many controllers. Krishna here is also some kind of controller. And probably when he gets older, he'll control more. And also have a family, maybe. And 
officially the controller of his family. He might even become the president of India, you never know. Or the prime minister. And control the country, control the country. But actually, all control, all power is with the Krishna who we call out to in the Hare Krishna, and this Krishna, who is Swayam Halavaka, he is himself the source of all power. And whatever power anyone else may have is actually his power. No one has any power independent of him. So that Krishna, Adutiya, there is no Krishna like him. There are many Krishnas. Many people can be given the name Krishna. But this Krishna, who we are calling out to, is one without a second, matchless, incomparable. And specifically, apart from all these uh, qualities which describe his greatness, he is that particular person who is Nanda Atmaja, the son of Nanda Maharaj, and Rasika Shreka. This is a verse from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, describing Krishna, Rasika Shreka. He is the best <coughs> enjoyer, connoisseur. How will you translate connoisseur? Rasika, I guess. Uh, <laughs> expert at appreciating all good things. And there are many other names, which define many names. There's no end to the names that define this Krishna. Yashodanandan, Nandanandan, Vrajanath, Rajaraj Kumar, Dwaradhish. These names describe that Krishna. And up to the present day, poets, they go on finding out new names for Krishna. Or they, not exactly new names, but names which may not be so well known. Because Krishna has unlimited qualities, so by describing the qualities of Krishna, then there are unlimited names. Just like Bhaktivinoda Thakur has written so many poems, kirtans, with names of Krishna. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur made at least one new name, or you could say a name not previously known or discovered in this universe. For Krishna, Bhaktivinoda Asha, he who is the shelter of Bhaktivinoda. So, so many, if we read through the Vaishnava literature, you'll find so many names of Krishna. Who's heard the name before? Indra Daman. Indra Daman. I saw it one in Gujarat, someone in the Dalap uh, Sampada. His name is Indra Daman, one who subdues Indra. So that was his name. There are so many. So this Krishna, this Krishna we are calling out to. And Ram, when we say Ram, who do we mean? Again, there are so many Ram. Any Ram is here? Anyone with the name Ram? No. Nowadays people have all kinds of funny names. Your name? Ramachandra. Most common form of that 
and that Ram in Krishna consciousness, or in study of Krishna. Not exactly we can't study Krishna, we have to be studied by God. But if we are to, yes, study, would be respectfully study. We find that there are three prominent Rams who are Vishnu avatars. Balaram, he who is generally known as Ramachandra, Dasharatananda, and Arashama, by whose grace we are all sitting here today. He made this land, right? This is all Parashuram Kshetra. Where does it begin? At Gokarn or? Up to Gokarn. Up to Gokarn. This side of Gokarn is all. From Kirtali to Gokarn. Tirtali means? There's a place called Tirtali. That's uh, south of India. In Kerala. Kerala to Subramanya. Up to Subramanya. But they say all of Kerala is made by Maybe here they don't recognize that. Anyway, this land is all made by Arashur, according to the Puranas. So these are three Rams, Balaram, sometimes in Srimad Bhagavatam, actually several times. Balaram is simply referred to as Rama. And Krishna, he's also Rama. Rama is also another name for Krishna. Because Rama means who gives pleasure, or who is happy. So, Radhika Rama, he who gives pleasure to Radhika, is also known as Rama. Ramante yogino nante satyanam nachirapani iti ramakade naso param brahma vidhiyate. This is the technical description of Rama. That the yogis, they take unlimited, genuine, spiritual pleasure in that person who is known by the name Rama, who is the supreme truth. But generally, it's understood. All over <coughs> India, this Hare Krishna mantra is known. Somehow or other. Well, somehow or other, people don't know why we know why it's called Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. Recently, we were in a village in Tamil Nadu. And we went there. And walking through the area. And some children, five or six years old, came up and called them, Hare Krishna! Now, exactly how they knew to chant Hare Krishna, I don't know. It was not particular Vaishnavari, all of Tamil Nadu. Nowadays, of course, there are Vaishnavaris also, areas which are traditionally Vaishnavari. But even those Vaishnavas, they, they don't chant Hare Krishna much, they chant more. And uh, all of Tamil Nadu is, uh, well, apart from the deep south and, and the, the 
coastal areas, which are now Jai Jesus areas. But uh, it's mostly everywhere is Ayappa, especially at this season. Here too, it's Ayappa madness, all of South India. But uh, some, and the, no parents aren't giving their children spiritual education of any kind. Some, but somehow or other they knew when they saw us to say, how I don't So all over India, people know this, Hare Krishna. And even many times we see on, we go on a train and there's some Muslims and they also say Hare Krishna. So, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Ram. Hare Ram, Hare Krishna is what they usually say. So, generally, by Rama, it's understood when chanting Hare Rama, the Rama of Ramayana, the son of Dasharath and Koshala. Actually, uh, practically even more famous than Rama is Hanuman. And more worshipped. Hanuman is seen more worshipped. If we, if we see ancient temples, they're not, you know, you don't find many ancient temples of Hanuman. Many ancient temples of Rama. But this Hanuman temples are down there. There's no huge temples in Hanuman. Every, all over the place. Every, Colony of every city is at least one Hanuman So generally, uh, chanting Hare Rama means Rama. And I chose this verse today, even though Shri Prabhupada didn't speak in the blog about this. Lord Krishna mentions here while describing his vibhutis or his opulence, his, his opulences which are manifest in this world. He describes Rama. Of course, everything is an opulence of Krishna. Everything is a manifestation of Krishna. But some things are particularly striking. They cause wonder. Here in this verse is mentioned the Shama. Actually, the word is Makara, which we haven't seen. When we get caught in fishing nets. But, uh, Srila Prabhupada usually translated this as a shark. So, if you see a shark, isn't it? You feel afraid. Even in an aquarium, big aquariums, I don't know if in India, huge tanks, glass, and a shark, and you're just like one foot away from the shark. There's just little glass in between you and the shark, and you're glad the glass is there. The shark is a creature who looks and is so fierce that he inspires awe. Awe. You know what that word means? It means kind of respectful. Yeah, respect. Here in this case, it means with some fear. Also. Snakes. This is we're talking about this Parashuram Kshetra, this particular area, this is Nag Kshetra. Uh, Krishna is outside Tulunadu, famous for worship of Krishna. But actually, the 
what the most common form of worship here seems to be worship of snakes. This whole area belongs to the snakes, right? It's all snake and there's a snake temple just out there. Quite busy, a lot of people go So the snake, if you see a snake, uh, well, generally we feel afraid. Tom should do it too, especially if it's cobra. I remember one time we were walking down to the Krishna temple from the Natura Chaltri, which was called something else at the time, or from Leela Palace. And cobra came out just in front of us. It's a common thing. So we all stopped immediately. Unfortunately, the cobra was more afraid of us than we were afraid of him, and he went back into the temple. <laughs> lots of cobras. <laughs> I was up once at this Volor Valley. Some farm is there. And uh, I told one of the devotees that, well, I came in, I, I saw a snake in my room. I said, well, that's normal. We already cleared three out of our room today. <laughs> so, when you open the door to the bathroom, just have a look inside first. It's quite like when there's a snake in there. So all the, the, these viputis, that which is something not necessarily fearsome, but awe-inspiring. So when we think this something is something great, something I can't really understand, what is it about a snake that makes us feel not so nice? At a, at a zoo, as a child, I remember there was a man sitting with snakes wrapped around him. And he said, don't worry, they're harmless. Do you want to put them on you? He said to me. He was about eight years old. Even though they were, you showed me they were harmless, and uh, he seemed pretty confident in that, and they were all over him, they weren't doing him any harm, but just the idea of having a snake on your body. You don't go close, even though you're told the snake is harmless. So, what is that quality that inspires reverence? That's something something great, something wonderful, something that we can't really define. And this Vibhuti, what is it? That which inspires some feeling of awe, all of these Vibhutis are representations of Krishna within this world. <laughs> Krishna is not a slave. But this, the snake represents, well, they're both snakes, both kinds of snakes I mentioned. Nardana, what is it? Anantis, Chapi, Nardana, Sarvana. So, uh, yeah, all those things which inspire some awe are mentioned here. Oh. Please turn this fan off while the battery is being replaced. Just for two or three minutes. So, Rama, 
the bowman, he is being mentioned. Of course, Rama is the Supreme Lord, but he appeared in many ways to be like an ordinary human being. And Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yeah, okay, please turn the camera on again. So Rama, he was awesome by his power to wield a bow. He first came to public prominence by breaking the bow of Lord Shiva, which no other heroes could even lift. Or if, even if some of them are able to lift, when they tried to string it, they would become like an arrow, they would get thrown away. <laughs> but Rama, very, even though he was just a young boy, apparently, he picked it up and very easily strung it and pulled it so hard that the bow broke. So that's how Rama became known, first of all, as a great hero. And later, of course, by the power of his bow, he was not uh, very well known outside his own local area, but his fame went all the way down <coughs> to Lanka when he killed those three Rakshasas, what was that? Dusara and in the forest. They were harassing the sages. He killed them very quickly, single-handed. He killed all the great Rakshasas. So by the it's unprecedented, unheard of skill with a bow, bowmanship, Ram became famous. So Ram, he is, of course, the supreme lord. His exploits are described in Ramayana, and not only in Ramayana. When we say Ramayana, the Original Ramayana, Mool Ramayana, that means Valmiki's Ramayana. And there have been many other, or several other editions in regional Indian languages, in Tamil, Kamban Ramayana, and then in Bengal, in Bengali, in Uriya, in Telugu, in Hindi is most famous. Ram Charitmanas in Audi actually in the dialect in Canada is there a traditional Ramayana? There is it doesn't seem to be that well known. So these are all Ramayanas and then there's also the Adhyatma Ramayana and another Sanskrit version. The Jains have their own version of the Ramayana. Better not read that if you want to be a devotee of Ram, because Jains aren't devotees. And uh, elsewhere in the Puranas also, including Srimad Bhagavatam, there are narrations of Lord Ram. So, 
of all the avatars, Krishna and Rama are most famous. Of course, Krishna is not... We don't usually say... We can say avatar, but we understand that he is the source of all avatars. But these two especially are very famous. Even up to the present day. That's why so many people, even up to the present day, their parents give them names Krishna or Rama or similar names. They may give names Govinda, Gopal, Giridhari, Madhusudan, all names of Krishna. And other names of Ram, not so much. So these two avatars are very famous for their uh, wonderful Leela. Both of them, their Leelas are described in great detail. There are other avatars also. Vamana, Nrishimha, but mostly they're famous for one particular activity. There's not so much. We don't hear so much of the activities of Vamana. Just the Cheating Bali Maharaj, he's famous for that, not for much else. Although there are other narrations about him. In the Uttaramayana, it's described how, as the doorman of Bali Maharaj, when Ravana came, he saw this dwarf there, supposed to be a doorman, and just walked past him, and the next day, Ravana was flying through space, if he kicked by Ravana to the other side of the universe, so he didn't come back. So, obviously he did do other things apart from cheat, but then there's not, we don't find so much about them, the other avatars. But Rama and Krishna, there's so much, and great devotees, and even not great devotees, what we might call ordinary people in India have been discussing their pastimes, singing about them, painting them, making architecture, building temples, with the subject of Rama and Krishna. And we also want to let people know Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who's also, then many of his leelas are described in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita and other works. So the, uh, the subject matter of education should be this subject. Who is Krishna? Who is Rama? Of course, education begins with just like we find in Bhagavad Gita. Dehino Svinyata Dehe Kumaram Yogam Janatata Dehanta Prapti Dhiras Tataram Just as the body is changing from boy to youth to old age. And the final change of the body is uh, death, change of body. And who is here, who is sober, he is not disturbed by that. So that's the beginning of actual education, spiritual education. <coughs> who is God, that comes later. 
First of all, we should understand what is the difference between spirit and matter. Who are we? We don't find in Bhagavad Gita that Lord Krishna, in the beginning, he starts up talking about God. That comes later. We don't find, of course, Sri Bhagavan Ubhacha is there. That's given by Vyasa then. But otherwise, Krishna himself, the, the words Ishvara, Bhagavan, later on we find in Bhagavad Gita, Purushottam, all these words. But that comes later. First of all, what is the difference between the body and the soul? Then the nature of God is described in Bhagavad Gita. What is it that makes him God? So let's describe briefly, and let's describe in detail, especially in Srimad Bhagavatam. And also the pastimes of the Supreme One are described there. Now in Ramayana we don't there's not actually much spiritual philosophy. Lord Ramachandra, he is known as Maryada Purushottam. He comes to show the ideal behavior of a human being. So there is much instruction in Ramayana of practical, direct instruction and instruction that can be deduced from Ramayana of how one should live and behave in this world in a proper manner. How one should deal with others. How one should uh, respect elders, parents, gurus, it's all that in our mind. How one, sh one should observe dharma. You'll find how Rama was very uh, much uh, committed to dharma, even though he had no need But he did so to teach the world. Now, of course, Krishna is known as Lila Purusha, or Frame Purusha. The Supreme Lord is not bound by dharma. In the highest sense he is, but not. Or rather, his dharma is different to that of humans. The dharma of the human or every living being is jiva sarupai krishna nitya And Krishna's, every living being is the servant of Krishna by constitution. And Krishna's dharma is krishna krishna sarupai Jiva Nitta Prabhu is the eternal law. So he is the controller. Ekali Ishwara Krishna. Our Sabhita. Jare Joyche Nache Tare Taiche Kare Nitta. He is the one Supreme Lord. And all others are his servants who dance according to the way he makes them dance. So the puppet is controlled by the puppeteer. And the puppeteer is not subject to the desires of the puppet. 
nor does he have the same rules of functioning of the puppet. If the human breaks the rules of dharma, he has to suffer for them. But Krishna, he's not within the rules of dharma, so he doesn't, there's no question of him suffering. The rules of dharma, they adjust according to Krishna, not round the other way. Not that he has to adjust himself to them, but he does adjust himself to them for the sake of teaching us. And all as Lord Rama. In Krishna Leela he also does. But Krishna Leela, especially in Vrindavan, that is free of any rules. Krishna does what he likes. He is Leela Purushottam, the supreme enjoyer. But he's ultimate dharma of everything and everyone acting simply for the pleasure of Krishna. That is enacted. But it's very difficult for ordinary people to understand. And if they try, if they, if we don't understand what to follow and what not to follow in Krishna Leela, we should follow his example in Dwarka of rising early, of protecting his wives, providing for his wives. This example as the ideal Grihastha, that should be followed. But if we try to follow his example in Vrindavan of dancing with other people's wives, uh, that will be very bad for us, very bad for the wives, and very bad for human society. And the whole result, nothing good will come from it whatsoever. <coughs> so, this Krishna Leela and Ram Leela, this has been the subject of discussion among educated people in Bharata since time immemorial. It is not simply some kind of uh, fancy that they like to discuss. In the West, they, it was Previously, one was considered educated, or the education was based on the Greek epics and the classical languages, Greek, Latin, one was supposed to know these, and then there was, in English, there was study of Shakespeare, these were considered to be didactic classics. Didactic means that they're uh, works which give us some uh, instruction on how to lead our lives. So it was considered that one should, of course, Homer is not really didactic, but uh, it's considered that there are some lessons there about how to live. What, what is the, what will happen if you do things right and what will happen if you do things wrong. But they're not nearly as valuable as Ramayana and Mahabharata and Srimad Bhagavatam because even though the writers of these epics and up to the present day there are many writers who write novels who they have much insight on human nature but they don't they can't really offer any good advice because they don't know what the ultimate goal of life is So, the Shastra, that gives us uh, knowledge of Krishna and Rama, 
and how to follow their ideal and how to worship them and how to be attracted to their not to their wonderful activity. It's not really how to be attracted, it's just automatic. If one hears Krishna Lila and Ram Lila, if one goes on hearing, then unless one is a complete demon, and there are such persons who repeatedly hear, but they don't become attracted, but one will automatically be attracted. There are some persons who... the, the certain Westerners, beginning in the 19th century, and the tradition continues to the present day, they study the Vedic classics with the particular aim of undermining and ridiculing them. They, they'll study the Shastra and say, you see, this is nonsense. Ganesh, elephant head, nonsense. Immediate, without any further consider. This must be nonsense because we never saw anyone with an elephant head. That is foolishness. That is their foolishness. Because I didn't see it, so it can't exist. So there are such persons. And there's another class of people who hear about the pastimes of the Lord and they are attracted, but because they simultaneously cultivate uh, an understanding that is envious of and inimical to Krishna, even though they have a superficial attraction, they don't actually develop bhakti. And I'm particularly talking about Mayavadis, who they, they may like to hear about and explain the pastimes of the Lord, but at the same time, they, they cultivate the sense that I am actually He, Soham. I am He, Shivoham, Tattvamasi. That is you, I am He. So, they may even cry when they hear the pastimes of the Lord, but actually their heart is very hard because of this misunderstanding. So we should understand who are Krishna and Ram from devotees who can give us the actual understanding, which is not actually very difficult to understand. It's very easy to understand that we are not God. Mayavad means a philosophical construct which gives us the conclusion that we are God. But it doesn't make any sense. And however fancy language may be used to, or, or whichever arguments that may seem to make sense are employed, doesn't make any sense. Just like in mathematics, you're teaching mathematics. So uh, you can you can make a whole big calculation. And if you go through it, it looks, yeah, that looks good. X squared plus Y squared, put it in a bracket, multiply it by 3AQ minus 2B raised to the power of 20. 
So then you have that on one side of an equal sign, and you put something else complex, or you have some calculus, and it all looks pretty complex, but if you're trained in mathematics, you can work it all out. And when you cancel everything out, you come down to one equals two. <laughs> Our teacher in school did this to us. Right? had a huge, like on both sides of the equal sign, old brackets and a whole bunch of algebra. We went through step and we went through it all. We went through it again and again. We couldn't find out. It didn't make any sense. And then he showed us at one point that something on one side of the equation, it, uh, it was a trick, of course. It didn't make any sense. Actually, by multiplying them, uh, within the, it came to zero. So that threw everything out. So, uh, like that, Mayavad, it may seem to be good and right, but there's something wrong there. And you can see that by the result. The result is that people think they're God, and they're obviously not. It sounds attractive. You're God. Sounds good. All right, great. Let's go for it. You can go for it as much as you like, but it's impossible. There's a similarly absurd idea which is quite common in the Western world now uh, that, well, if you just believe in something strongly enough, you can get it. I think this was all started by that, uh, what was his name, Napoleon Hill or something, Think and Grow Rich. So you have to Every morning and every evening think, I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm going to have to really think it and really believe it. But obviously it doesn't necessarily work in all cases. Just like for instance, there may be eight people who are in the race, the Olympics 100 meter dash, and they're all I'm going to win the race, I really believe it, but only one of them is going to win it. <laughs> However much they all believe it, I'm going to be the winner. There's only going to be one winner. So, simply believing it is not enough in itself to produce the result. One of my godbrothers told me he was growing up in, he grew up in New York City where uh, and then one of, on his block, in his neighborhood, there was someone who, there was a young boy who really wanted to be a basketball star. He had no hope because he was short. And however good you are at maneuvering the ball and throwing it, you can't become a basketball star. You think you have to be a minimum of six foot height. But if you're, if you're short, if you're like less than five foot six, there's no hope whatsoever, however much you desire it. So, it's like that. In the Sanskrit literature, the example is often given of a dwarf who wants to catch the moon. I mean, even a basketball star can't catch the moon. <laughs> so, what to speak of a dwarf? It's too, you have to be a lot taller. It's impossible. Even some desiring something which is impossible. So one should hear from devotees. 
about Rama and Krishna, who they are. Who are they? They are the Supreme Lord, Advitiya, Asamordva, incomparable. No one is equal to or greater than them. And what are their wonderful pastimes that inspire us to want to serve them? What are their qualities? <clears throat> See, we may just know that they're great, but if we don't know more than that, then we won't be inspired to surrender to them and serve them. There are some religious systems in the world which don't go beyond the statement that God is great. Prominent among which are Christianity and Islam. They don't, they say God is great, but they don't say anything more than that. So you have no idea who it actually is. And they don't seem to have any inclination to do so. Either. It's just, he's great. Okay, we'll worship him. It's good for us to worship him. He'll help us. We have a lot of things we want, and he's great. Okay, we don't need to know anything more than that. We don't want to know. This is a long, long way from Krishna Bhakti, or Rama Bhakti, in which, by hearing about Krishna and Rama, one whose heart is inspired by devotion feels more and more I, I, I need to serve this, but I must serve. I want to, uh, with my aspiration, whatever I'm doing in this world, I have my home, my family, my, my land, and uh, my, I want to join Hanuman and be one of those monkeys or whatever, Vana. Let me, or let me even, uh, let me even have the chance once in my life to be uh, living in the jungle and I see Ram coming and I can clear the way. Let me do some service. Somehow, if I even once in my life I can uh, have the darshan of Lord Ram, even if he doesn't see me, I can do some service for him. So this aspiration that this person, Rama, Krishna, they're so wonderful, mind-captivating, that I, some, I, somehow I want to have some relationship with them. Not just distant. That, okay, he's great. Give us bread. Bread! Give us bread. God, give us bread. We said our prayers. Give us bread. Forgive our sins. We're not sinning. But we have to forgive them. We pray to you. The priest said, we have to forgive our sins. Not formal. We find that Ram, although he's a king and he's Mariada Purushottam, which means he upholds formality. He teaches us how to behave in a proper way. But he's he's also not bound by formality. He uh, accepted the service of Guha who was a, a nishad, so people from, that, that means like a jungly country, tribal. <laughs> so people from 
respectable society, they don't mix with such people. But Rama did, because he was a devotee. The story is there, it's not in Mool Ramayana, but it's at least not in the editions extant today, but of Shabari <coughs> eating the fruit or tasting it before giving it to Rama because she didn't want to give fruit which wasn't very good. Now that's not the proper thing to do. Everyone knows. You don't taste the fruit and say, hey, okay, all right, you take it. But she did. That was a symptom of her bhakti. And Rama went, no one should ever take the remnants of anyone else, not a proper thing to do. Especially we don't give the Supreme Lord our remnants. But Rama accepted it because he was not bound by formality. He accepted the love of his devotee. So such a person who is on one side, one side very strict about formality, but on the other side is so open and kind to his devotees, such a person we want to serve. In the very beginning of Ramayana, there is a description of Lord Rama's wonderful qualities. Not just his behavioral qualities. He's, he's very kind and gentle. Generally he's gentle, but he can be very fierce also to those who are uh, misbehaving. And forgiving to those who are there different kinds of misbehaving. Someone may misbehave, but they just need correcting. Someone's mis misbehaving because they are uh, sworn to, or they're, they're dedicated to being rascals. So such people, they are destroyed. They're those who are incorrigible. That means they can't be corrected. They don't want to correct themselves. They for them, bad is right. They think doing wrong, this is the right thing to do. Ashuchivata, Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna describes. They are sworn to unclean, impure activities. So that is also a quality. Destroying the demons is also a quality of Lord Rama, by which he endears himself to the devotees. So Ram is such a, 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 a wonderful person. He's not just great, but his quality. Of course, all these things can be said about Krishna also. I'm speaking about more about Rama today. Yes. Why? Well, why not? <coughs> why not speak about Rama? Ramachandra. Now one... Uh, point is that although the Leela of Lord Rama is by nature Ananda Chinmaya Rasa it is fully blissful, spiritual full of uh, transcendental tastes it appears to be very sad even though Ram is so good and so fair, and never did anything wrong in his life. Even slightly. Still he had to suffer such a cruel fate, it seems. Of course for him there is no fate. Fate means the results of our previous activities. So why is that? 
or saying it seems sad, but that sadness is also a kind of pleasure. Otherwise, why do people again and again recite it and take pleasure in reciting Ramayana? It's actually very joyful to hear. In material life, the happiness is sadness, and the sadness is sadness. And in spiritual life, the happiness is happiness, and the sadness is also happiness. But why, why did that happen? Now, if we look in, we do Puranic research, we can find various reasons why different things happen. We find different demons, they took different forms in uh, different leelas because of previous activities. Just like this uh, this man who criticized Lord Ram he said to his wife, that you see, I'm not, I'm not like the Ram who takes his wife back. Then he had to become and he became in Krishna Lila this washerman, so that's stated, who had his head removed by Lord Krishna in Mathura. I believe I got that right. That's from Garga Sanghita. So like that. And even uh, about Krishna, it seems that uh, he may uh, he may have to suffer. <coughs> Cursed by Gandhari. Now Krishna, he is not subject to curses. But that, that's why you know, these points we have to understand and discuss. And this is the real subject matter of education, to discuss all these points in great detail. This way our mind will be attracted to Krishna, to Rama. And we'll have a clear understanding. Otherwise, what happens is, people come and they say things like this. You see, Krishna is also an ordinary person. He was cursed by Gandhari, that just as you made all this war, actually it wasn't Krishna, it was uh, Duryodhana's fault. Even more so, Dhritarashtra's fault. And she blamed it on Krishna. Then you all have to lose your, same, your family in the same way. But, uh, of course, Krishna, he had his purpose in the Yadu dynasty. The Yadu dynasty that, uh, when the time came for Krishna to leave this world, they also had to leave. But they, how will they leave? They shouldn't just die and uh, nor can they be killed by anyone so Krishna arranged for that so all these points when we're studying Krishna Leela, Ram Leela there may be many doubts that arise and, and even people they create doubts because they're demons <laughs> and they have so many uh, Accusations. Nowadays, it's quite common. You see, you see how Ram he, he mistreated his wife. No one thought such a thing, but now that's become quite a common idea. 
So we should ask, why this, uh, why did Ram have to suffer? People say, well, better be Ravana. At least he got killed ultimately, but uh, he was having a good time all his life. And then, uh, anyway, he got killed. Anyway, he got to die. So, you know, there was this Ram, he just suffered all his life. What's the point? Better, you know, live a short life and have fun. People may say, why uh, did Ram apparently suffer? Well, uh, one thing that we can understand from this is that even though Ram apparently suffered, but he never deviated from the path of time. So there's a, a lesson for all of us that if we're in the if we're in this world. We have to, all kinds of things which we can't imagine. We'll have to suffer. It's it's not. You see, just like that. I I didn't predict that someone's cell phone would go off and disturb this class, but just to prove the point that because you can't return your cell phones off, it's not a major suffering, but uh, it is a disturbance. So. The very nature of this world is such that at any time, without any warning, all our plans can go, can be completely spoiled. Everyone was so happy in Ayodhya that Ram was going to be crowned. And it just said, this is wonderful. But due to the envy of one person, so much suffering was caused. So his envy is very bad. To be envy means to be parasukaduki paradukasuki. Happy at others' distress and distressed at others' happiness. So because of that, so much suffering was caused. So Rama, of course, he's the Supreme Lord. If he wanted, he, he could just, uh, he could have made mantra go dumb. Or he could have allowed Bharat to cut off mantra's head and Bharati, even if Ram would have allowed him or told him, he would have cut off even his own mother's head. He wasn't happy at all. But Rama tolerated. And all right, whatever, we'll accept that. So this is Maryada Purushottam. There's a lesson that even, even if we're on the path of doing what is right, even if, of course, our situation is different because what suffering we get, that is caused by our own previous actions. We should understand like that. But we should know that suffering will come. It's inevitable. We shouldn't be surprised. We are surprised because we think, oh, when things are going nicely, they are going to go on like this forever. But inevitably, there will be so many difficulties. 
And even you see, Rama, his difficulty was caused by someone he couldn't imagine, Kalkei, his mother. He called her mother. He treated her with no less respect and affection than his own mother. He didn't think of her as different. The brothers, they didn't think that we're all brothers of different sons. They just thought we're all brothers and we all have three mothers. So it was unimaginable that from one so close and so loved such envy, overnight, without any reason, and it's just absurd the the, the idea that Mantra put into the mind of Kaikei that Rama would oppress Bharat and <coughs> just absurd. Didn't make any sense. Sometimes we are, uh, why, why, why are these, why are such and such people doing like that or saying like that or behaving like that? Uh, sometimes you just have to say, well, it doesn't really make any sense. But what can we do? That's the way it is. We have to live like that. And what can we do? There's no use to try and reason with people who are unreasonable. And we may just have to fold our hands and say, Hare Rama, Sadgo Sannati Dei Bhagavan, in the words of who Mahatma Gandhi popularized that. So that is the nature of this world. Faultless people. Actually, well, you see, it's just like Krishna is, was and is criticized. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was and is criticized. Prabhupada, who acted only for the benefit of others, was and is criticized. <laughs> so what to speak of? Little persons like ourselves. <laughs> This is one of the many, many lessons we can learn from the ideal character of Lord Rama. And actually, if we go through and discuss, we'll find in every line and every word, there's so much for our edification, so much to learn. I'll finish there. I'm supposed to finish at one o'clock. Is there any question, please?